0: So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 104. One of the themes that runs through the entire Bible is that we are always looking to justify ourselves. And there really are only two choices. You can justify yourself. You can do something that'll prove that you're worth something or that you're valuable enough or that you're worthy enough. Or someone can justify you on your behalf. They can do what's necessary. They can stand in your place and do it for you. And the Bible's message throughout has been and always will be that we are not capable in and of ourselves to justify ourselves. But Jesus has come to freely justify us through his life, suffering, death, and resurrection. And this theme is seen in the fact that when people give thanks to God for saving them, they're recognizing that he is the only one who can justify them. When they admit that they're too far from being able to do this themselves that jesus is the only one who can do it for them and this is the theme that we see in our passages today it's a theme we see in the whole bible but in particular in our passages we look at today including first samuel 21 to 23 psalm 18 and romans chapter 3. so let's start today with 2nd samuel chapter 21. during david's reign there was a famine for three consecutive years, so David inquired of the Lord. The Lord said, It is because of Saul and his blood-stained family, because he murdered the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke with them. Now the Gibeonites were not descendants of Israel, they were a remnant of the Amorites. The Israelites had made a promise to them, but Saul tried to kill them because of his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. David said to the Gibeonites, What can I do for you, and how can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites said to him, We have no claim to silver or gold from Saul or from his family, nor would we be justified in putting to death anyone in Israel. David asked, What then are you asking me to do for you? They replied to the king, As for this man who exterminated us and who schemed against us so that we were destroyed and left without status throughout the borders of Israel, let seven of his male descendants be turned over to us, and we will execute them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, who was the Lord's chosen one the king replied i will turn them over the king had mercy on mephibosheth son of jonathan the son of saul in light of the lord's oath that had been taken between david and jonathan son of saul so the king took armoni and mephibosheth the two sons of Aiah's daughter rispa whom he, she had borne to saul and the five sons of saul's daughter merab whom she had borne to adriel son of Barzillai, the mahalothite he turned them over to the gibeonites and they executed them on a hill before the lord the seven of them died together They were put to death during harvest time, during the first days of the beginning of the barley harvest. Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest until the rain fell on them, she did not allow the birds of the air to feed on them by day, nor the wild animals by night. When David was told what Rizpah, daughter of Aya, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and of his son Jonathan from the leaders of Jabesh Gilead, they had secretly taken them from the plaza at beth It was there that the Philistines publicly exposed their corpses after they had killed King Saul at Gilboa. David brought the bones of Saul and of Jonathan his son from there. They also gathered up the bones of those who had been executed. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin in Zela in the grave of his father Kish. After they had done everything that the king had commanded, God responded to their prayers for the land. Another battle was fought between the Philistines and Israel. So David went down with his soldiers and fought the Philistines. David became exhausted. Now Ishi ben one of the descendants of Rapha, had a spear that weighed 300 bronze shekels and he was armed with a new weapon. He said that he would kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to David's aid, striking the Philistine down and killing him. Then David's men took an oath saying, You will not go out to battle with us again. You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Later there was another battle with the Philistines, this time in Gob. On that occasion, Zibekai the Hushikiteight killed Zaph, who was one of the descendants of Rapha. Yet another battle occurred when the philistines uh, was the Philistines in Gob. on that occasion, Elhanah, the son of Jer, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet another battle occurred in Gath on that occasion, there was a large man who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He too was a descendant of Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of David's brother Shimei, killed him. These four were the descendants of Rapha who lived in Gath, they were killed by David and his soldiers. Then David sang the words the to the Lord, the words of this song, when he had rescued him from the power of all his enemies, including Saul. Now we're just going to pause here. Uh, what follows is the rest of chapter twenty-two from Second Samuel, which is almost identical to Psalm eighteen. And so that's part of our readings for today, and I'm going to read Psalm 18 in place of this right here. It's just very, very slightly different, and I think it's just appropriate for us to do that since it's almost identical. So here is Psalm 18, which is identical to Second Samuel 22. For the music director, by the Lord's servant David, who sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord rescued him from the power of all his enemies, including Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, my source of strength. The Lord is my high ridge, my stronghold, my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I take shelter, my shield, the horn that saves me, and my refuge. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I was delivered from my enemies. The waves of death engulfed me. The currents of chaos overwhelmed me. The ropes of Sheol tightened around me. The snares of death trapped me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried out to my God. From his heavenly temple, he heard my voice. He listened to my cry for help. The earth heaved and shook. The roots of the mountains trembled. They heaved because he was angry. Smoke ascended from his nose. Fire devoured as it came from his mouth. He hurled down fiery coals. He made the sky sink as he descended. A thick cloud was under his feet. He mounted a winged angel and flew. He glided on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness in thick rain clouds. From the brightest brightness in front of him came hail and fiery coals. The Lord thundered in the sky, the Most High shouted. He shot his arrows and scattered them, many lightning bolts and routed them. The depths of the sea were exposed. The inner regions of the world were uncovered by your battle cry, Lord, by the powerful breath from your nose. He reached down from above and took hold of me. He pulled me from the surging water. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hate me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in my day of calamity, but the Lord helped me. He brought me out into a wide open place. He delivered me because he was pleased with me. The Lord repaid me for my godly deeds. He rewarded my blameless behavior. For I have obeyed the Lord's commands. I have not rebelled against my God. For I am aware of all his regulations and did not reject his rules. I was innocent before him and kept myself from sinning. The Lord rewarded me for my godly deeds. He took notice of my blameless behavior. You proved to be loyal to the one who is faithful. You proved to be trustworthy to the one who is innocent you prove proved to be reliable to one who is blameless, but you prove to be deceptive to one who is perverse. For you deliver oppressed people, but you bring down those who have a proud look. Indeed, you light my lamp, Lord. My God illuminates the darkness around me. Indeed, with your help I can charge against an enemy. By my God's power I can jump over a wall. The one true God acts in a faithful manner. The Lord's promise is reliable. He is a shield to all who take shelter in him. Indeed, who is God besides the Lord? Who is a protector besides our God? The one true God gives me strength. He removes the obstacles in my way. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. He trains my hands for battle. He arms My my arms can bend even the strongest bow. You give me your protective shield. Your right hand supports me. Your willingness to help me enables me to prevail. You widen my path. My feet do not slip. I chase my enemies and catch them. I do not turn back until I wipe them out. I beat them to death. They fall at my feet. You give me strength for battle. You make my foes kneel before me. You make my enemies retreat. I destroy those who hate me. They cry out to you, but there is no one to help them. They cry out to the Lord, but he does not answer them. I grind them as a fine wind-blown dust. I beat them underfoot like the clay in the streets. You rescue me from a hostile army. You make me a leader of nations. People over whom I had no authority are now my subjects. When they hear of my exploits, they submit to me. Foreigners are powerless before me. Foreigners lose their courage. They shake with fear as they leave their strongholds. The Lord is alive. My protector is praiseworthy. The God who delivers me is exalted as king. The one true God completely vindicates me. He makes nations submit to me. He delivers me from my enemies. You snatch me away from those who attack me. You rescue me from violent men. So I will give thanks before the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to you. He gives his king magnificent victories. He is faithful to his chosen ruler, to David and his descendants forever. So that's Psalm 18, David giving God all the credit for the victories that he experienced, for the ways that he has succeeded in all the years that he has been king, recognizing that ultimately it all is a victory that belongs to God. And now we'll return to 2 Samuel and read 2 Samuel chapter 23. These are the final words of David, the oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of a man raised up as the ruler chosen by God of Jacob, Israel's beloved singer of songs. The Lord's spirit spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke, the protector of Israel spoke to me, the one who rules fairly among men, the one who rules in the fear of God, is like the light of morning when the sun comes up, a morning in which there are no clouds. He is like the brightness after rain that produces grass from the earth. My dynasty is approved by God, for he has made a perpetual covenant with me, arranged in all its particulars and secured. He always delivers me, and brings all I desire to fruition." But evil people are like thorns. All of them are tossed away, for they cannot be held in the hand. The one who touches them must use an iron instrument or the wooden shaft of a spear. They are completely burned right up right where they live. And these are the names of David's warriors. Josheb, Bashebeth, a Takamonite, was head of the officers. He killed 800 men with the spear in one battle. Next in command was Eliezer, son of Dodo, the son of Alo- Alohi. He was one of the three warriors who were with David when they defied the Philistines who were assembled there for battle. When the men of Israel retreated, he stood his ground and fought the Philistines until his hand grew so tired that it seemed stuck to his sword. The Lord gave a great victory on that day. When the army returned to him, the only thing left to do was to plunder the corpses. Next in command was Shammah, son of Aji the Harite. When the Philistines assembled at Lehi, Where there happened to be men, an area of a field that was full of lentils, the army retreated before the Philistines. But he made a stand in the middle of that area. He defended it and defeated the Philistines. The Lord gave him a great victory. At the time of harvest, three of the thirty leaders went down to David at the cave of Adullam. A band of Philistines was camped in the valley of Rephaim. David was in the stronghold at that time, while a Philistine garrison was in Bethlehem. David was thirsty and said, How I wish someone would give me some water to drink from the cistern in Bethlehem near the gate. So the three elite warriors broke through the Philistine forces and drew some water from the cistern in Bethlehem near the gate. They carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. He poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord and said, O Lord, I will not do this. It is equivalent to the blood of the men who risked their lives by going. So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three elite warriors. Abishai, son of Zariah, the brother of Job, was head of the three. He killed 300 men with a spear and gained fame among the three. From the three he was given honor and he became their officer, even though he was not one of the three. Beniah, son of Jehoiada, was a brave warrior from Kabzil who performed great exploits. He struck down the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in a cistern on a snowy day. He also killed an impressive-looking Egyptian, the egyptian wielded a spear, spear while benai attacked him with a club he grabbed the spear out of the egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear such were the exploits of benai son of joeda who gained fame among the three elite warriors he received honor from the 30 warriors though he was not one of the three elite warriors david put him in charge of his bodyguard included with the 30 were the following asahel the brother of job elhana son of dodo from bethlehem shammah the herodite Elikai, sorry, Elika, the Herodite, Heles, the Paltite, Ira, the son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abiezer, the Anathite, Mebunai, the, the Hushite, Zalman, the Alohite, Mahari, the Nephtophathite, Haled, son of Bana, the Nephtophite, Ittai, the son of Ribbi from Gibeah and Benjamin, Benai, the Pirinathonite, Hidai, from the Wadis of Gash, Abi-Alban, the Arbathite, Asmapheth, the Barthumite, Eliba the Shalbanite, the sons of Jashan, Jonathan, son of Shamma the Hararite, Ahim the son of Sharar, the Hararite, Eliphet, the son of Abishai, the Makathite, Eliab, the son of Ahithophel, the Gideonite, Hezri, the Carmelite, Parai, the Arbite, Ilgal, the son of Nathan from Zobai, Bani, the Gadite, Zelech the Ammonite, Nahari the Berithite, the armor-bearer of Job, son of Zariah, Ira the Ithite, Gareb the Ithrite, and Uriah the Hittite. Altogether, there were 37. So we have all these stories from David and his battles and giving thanks to God and these warriors who were given strength by God, all making it clear that really it depends on God and not on us. And Romans chapter three is one of the key chapters in Romans and one of the key chapters in the Bible to explain what it means to be saved by grace, that you're justified not by what you have done, but what Jesus has done for you. And it begins with a summary so far of Romans one and two, where Paul's making the case that no one left to themselves is righteous enough, but we all need a righteousness that's given to us, not one that we've accomplished ourselves. So Romans chapter three, therefore, What advantage does the Jew have, or what is the value of circumcision? Actually, there are many advantages. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then? If some were unfaithful, their unfaithfulness will not nullify God's faithfulness, will it? Absolutely not. Let God be proven true, and every human being shown up as a liar, just as it is written, so that you will be justified in your words, and you will prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. Absolutely not. For otherwise, how could God judge the world? But if by my lie the truth of God enhances his glory, why am I still actually being judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil so that good may come from it, as some who slander us allege that we say? Their condemnation is deserved. What then? Are we better off? Certainly not, for we have already charged that Jews and Greeks alike are all under sin. Just as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness, not even one. Their throats are open graves. They deceive with their tongues. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no one is declared righteous before him by the works of the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God although as it attested by the law and the prophets, has been disclosed, namely, the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God publicly displayed Him at His death as the mercy seat accessible through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because God in his forbearance had passed over the sins previously committed. This was also to demonstrate his righteousness in the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who lives because of Jesus' faithfulness. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what principle? Of works? No. But by the principle of faith. For we consider that a person is declared righteous by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too. Since God is one, he will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then nullify the the law through faith? Absolutely not. Instead, we uphold the law. So I think Paul is trying to make clear here that you are not justified. You are not righteous in and of yourself. I'm not, nobody is, but Jesus was. His perfect life was given to those who trust in him and our sinful, unrighteous life was taken upon him, that he took it upon himself and died in our place so that we could be not only forgiven, but declared righteous and so completely saved all by grace through faith. What an amazing God we have. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, httpnetbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.